SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. Thought leaders, storytellers and griots sharing personal highlights on Stories of the Week. Well, it may be a highlight, it may be a low light, but uh, one thing we like on the JSB is to try and understand certain terms, to try and understand what people actually mean when they say certain things. So we've heard the Geneva Convention and the conventions being mentioned throughout the week as part of the geopolitics of the world with regards to Israel and Palestine. And we thought, let us try and really understand what it is and get the information on it. We've got Professor Andre Thomashausen, who is a UNISA Professor Emeritus of International Law on the line. Prof, thank you so much for joining us. Hello, Prof. Right. We seem to have lost him. We're going to try and make sure that we can get him back on the line again and check where he is. So what we're really going to be talking about is the Geneva Convention in simple terms. And the convention itself is made up of a series of uh, humanitarian conventions. And I suppose what we want to try and understand is what is the difference and how do they operate? And indeed, what are those conventions as well? We're busy trying to get the good prof on the line. Don't forget, if you want to keep sending in your messages, your thoughts, uh, you're welcome to do so. I see that you all, you guys have all got onto the whole um uh, disappearing messages thing. One minute you're in there and the next minute those messages are poof, gone into another universe altogether. Prof. Andre Thomashausen, you are on the line, I see. Thank you. Let's hope that Vodacom allows us to stay online. <laughs> it's never that easy. <laughs> Nothing um, is easy in the world and that's what makes us strong, we understand. Prof, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, look, the law of war or the Geneva Conventions of 49 and the additional protocols of 1977 are actually about something very simple to distinguish between a mad criminal or what we now call a terrorist and a legitimate combatant. Uh, if somebody just walks into a school with a gun and starts shooting children, he's not protected in law. Any law, uh, uh, any, any officer but even any member of the public can, can take him down to, to protect the life and the safety of, of, of the people that he is targeting. Uh, if he wants to be protected as a combatant, then he has to comply with very simple rules laid down in the Geneva Convention, especially the Fourth Convention. Uh, he has to be distinguishable. He has to wear a uniform. He has to be part of an organized group of soldiers. And he, he mustn't just indiscriminately kill people. He cannot take the life uh, and the freedom of, of civilians. He mustn't mutilate people. He's not allowed to inflict cruel treatment or torture. He's not allowed to take hostages. Uh, he's not allowed to humiliate people. And uh, uh, he, must, he, he must respect the wounded and he must respect um, the, the people that try to assist wounded persons. Uh, so the benefit of, let's call it in simple words, of behaving as a soldier with some order and some dignity, the benefit is that such person will then also be protected in law, cannot just be summarily executed, 
can be taken a prisoner of war, but even as a prisoner of war, has a number of rights, and certainly his life is then protected. So, as we have seen on that last weekend, the the acts committed by by people saying that they represent the political organization Hamas, those acts fall completely outside the law of war. They fall outside the Geneva Conventions. And therefore, um, anybody, including, of course, the Israeli Defense Forces and security people, um, um, can, can deal with this threat in whatever way. And the people who have committed those atrocities are no longer protected. So that would be, as you say, um, the Geneva Con- I just want to get some clarity here. The Geneva Convention has it's a it was a protocol which was created and adopted over a period of time, and I th- and the last time was when. No, no. The Geneva Convention is a convention. It's an international treaty signed by 186 countries, including uh, Palestine, has adhered to it, and and it's a convention. It's a treaty. Subsequently, to clarify issues of liberation wars, uh, of, of movements of liberation who normally don't operate in beautiful uniforms, um, two protocols were passed in 1977, yeah. Protocol 1 and Protocol 2. And um, they have also been signed by most countries in the world, uh, not by Israel, uh, but they have been adhered to and signed by Palestine. So the Palestine government is bound by these rules of war. So, in fact, you, you, okay. So you're saying that the Geneva Convention is is only binding if you sign the the convention. Well, um, learned scholars, myself included, will argue that by now, because basically everybody has signed it and everybody adheres to it, it has become universal law, even. Uh, applicable when when a country hasn't signed it, and Israel has accepted that uh, they they have, of course, not always, but they have in principle never denied that the rules of the Geneva Convention apply to to their defense force. Just now, yesterday, they have uh, said we will not proceed with a ground offensive in uh, in Gaza, in the northern parts of Gaza, as long as there are civilian populations there. Because under the Geneva Convention, you're not allowed to, to make civilian, the normal, ordinary people a target of your war. So here's a question. If, what happens if you break the Geneva Convention? Because it's not a well, law. I, well, if you break the Geneva Convention, you lose the protection under it. You see, this is the, the, the mechanism. If, if, uh, if you adhere to the Geneva Convention, your soldiers are protected. When they are taken prisoners of war, they have to be treated in a certain way. They have to be given food and water. They can't be simply executed. Um, but if you break the convention, yes, then your soldiers basically become like criminals, any terrorist, and anybody can take them down. So there is, a, there is an interest by all people in a war to adhere at least to the basic, the, the most important provisions of the Geneva Conventions. If they don't, then the other side can can stop um, uh, respecting their their basic uh, rights in the in the armed conflict. Is the Geneva Convention, um, if you break it, is it a war crime? And maybe you could kind of differentiate what that how that that is uh, regarded. Yes, war crime is a term that has come up um, to to 
characterize conduct that, that is not in line, for instance, taking of hostages, um, mutilating uh, people, uh, inflicting cruel treatment, um, decapitating people, all these horrible things that are, that are now happening in, in conflicts. Those are war crimes. Um, the punishment is not, not always assured because we don't have an international government. We don't have really a court system uh, that could uh, uh, operate over and above the individual countries. We have the, the International Criminal Court um, that uh, prosecutes crimes against humanity, as it's called, not just war crimes. And, um, and they, they have procedures. So they can arraign people. They have done so in the past. Charles Taylor, former president of Liberia, is one of the few people that they have convicted. Um, but, um, but many others haven't been, been convicted at that court because simply the evidence is, is, is not what it should be. And, and it's always debatable whether a politician has committed a crime or not. So, you know, what you're doing is you're raising a variety of terms and each one of them stands differently. So we have um, crimes against humanity, which are considered, from what I understand, to be different to genocide, which would then, of course, uh, also uh, be differently aligned to the Geneva Convention. Maybe you can break that down for us. Well, look, it's not, as I said, it's not like in a, in a country, a legal system, where there's one constitution and one set of laws. Uh, we have over 200 nations in the world, and they all yeah. have their own their own ways of dealing with these things and thinking about them. Um, genocide is a crime against humanity. It falls within the jurisdiction of the International Criminal Court. Um, but um, but this isn't really a remedy when when horrible things are happening. You know, when 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 you see a young uh, woman stripped naked, lying in the back of what we call a bucky, with three burly slightly overweight uh, men uh, kicking her with their boots and putting their boots on her body and at the same time raising their automatic weapons against the sky and firing shots and uh, screaming their uh, their war cries. Um, those are horrible, horrendous crimes. Everybody can recognize that. And, and obviously, um, people will focus on, on the commission of those crimes um, they will not really be interested that much in the context of, of the historic conflict, the context uh, within which this is happening. And, and for your listeners, maybe even simpler, if you have a divorce case and, and in court, uh, the one party in this divorce, let's say the, the husband, the divorcing husband, suddenly grabs the, the little child of this couple and slices the throat of that child in front of everybody. And everybody will talk about that crime. Nobody will be interested in the divorce proceedings and in the conflict between these two parties. And this is what is, at the moment, uh, confusing the matter, that everybody starts talking about the historic conflict and, and uh, forgets the crime. But Professor Thomas Hausen, and I suppose it's not a but, it's an and, um, we, one of our listeners uh, says that likewise that would apply to um, the, the crime as in the Geneva Convention would apply to the soldiers who are going into Gaza uh, with regards to civilians. Um, it applies to both Jews and Arabs. Absolutely, absolutely. I think the, the Israeli Defense Force has, has made a lot of effort in the past to, um, to respect 
what is called the principle of proportionality, not to use excessive force, um, not to uh, unnecessarily uh, inflict great harm on, on civilians that aren't party to the conflict. Um, most civilians in the world just want to live normal, peaceful lives. They have absolutely no interest in, in seeing their houses destroyed or, or, or seeing their loved ones die in front of them. So, um, And this is why the ground offensive hasn't started. The ground offensive that Israel is planning is very complex, it's very difficult, because it is known that um, the Hamas fighters live mostly underground. They, they have built a labyrinth of, of tunnels, of underground structures. This is where the hostages, the over 100 Israelis that were abducted, are probably being held. So to get there without... Uh, about killing everybody is is not going to be easy. Of course, Israel could do like like the United States of America at the end of World War II. They dropped big nuclear bombs onto major. I, I really major hope cities. you're not suggesting that. No, no, Israel could do this because America has done it before. So what? But they're not. But they're not doing it. Okay. They're not doing it because because they are trying to adhere to to the Geneva Conventions. But it has happened in history before that that a country has gone and just killed a million people to, to maybe eliminate 200 soldiers. Uh, yeah. this, these are the horrors of, of, of what humans are capable of doing. Um, and fortunately, Israel is still feeling bound by international law. They don't want to become the pariah of the world where, where nobody will, will want to speak to them in future. And, and of course, they have their own memory of, of historic memory of the Holocaust. So why would they commit a Holocaust when they were victims of a Holocaust? Professor Andre Thomashausen, thank you so much for joining us. UNISA Professor Emeritus of International Law. Uh, really talking to something that uh, I want to just quote the author Naomi Klein. She wrote a piece um, written where she had a very simple message. Side with the child over the gun every time, no matter whose gun and no matter whose child.